Hi, everyone. Welcome to Food Talk. Producer Stephen Ray Morris here to introduce today's episode with Lisa Bronner, author and spokesperson for Dr. Bronner's. Danny's chat with Lisa is really awesome. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Food Talk with Danny Nuremberg. I'm really excited to have Lisa Bronner with me today. She is the founder of the Going Green blog and is a spokesperson for Dr. Bronner's, which her grandfather, Emmanuel Bronner, founded in 1948. Lisa, we have a lot to talk about. It's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Danny. Um, so for, for our listeners, um, they know that I always ask the same first question, and because this is a food uh, you know, show, uh, I always ask, what is your favorite food memory? Oh, my. Okay. All right. So I had a dad who was a chemist, uh, which I think often translates into being a great cook. And so, so many of my food memories growing up have to do with him, even though he didn't cook very often. My mom was the main cook. Um, but he... Uh, he would he would cook occasionally, which was good. It was occasional because he, he I think used every single pan in the kitchen. <laughs> um, so I think my favorite single memory of his cooking was um, uh, he did this two or three times, so not not just once. Uh, he wanted to roast a a a, a Christmas uh, a roast a, a prime rib, um, and he wanted to do it properly over an open flame. And we had a fireplace, as uh, some houses do, and many houses do. And so he suspended the uh, roast from the ceiling. We had a vaulted ceiling, and he, he, he put a turnbuckle up there, and he suspended it in front of the fire and roasted it all day, like slowly spinning it. It was phenomenal. Very impressive. That's awesome. You know, um, you, you mentioned uh, like chemists being good cooks. My mom has always said that cooking is chemistry and, you know, you have to yeah. find the right ingredients and put them all together and otherwise it explodes, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it somehow tasted amazing every time and he could never recreate what he had done because he had no idea. It was just like all intuitive. That's awesome. That's great. So unlike your brothers, uh, David and Michael Bronner, you're, you're not a soap maker per se, um, but you're, you're very involved in, in the company. What made you decide to sort of take a, a different route uh, and, and not be involved in sort of the, the, the soap making and the business uh, of the day-to-day of, of Dr. Bronner's? Well, you know, it's funny how things happen in life. Just kind of you take one step and then another step and then another step and then you look back and you think, huh. Didn't know I was coming in this direction. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I initially was a teacher, taught high school English um, right out of college, did that for a little while. Nice. And then I uh, stepped back from that to uh, when I had my kids. I didn't feel like I could handle both. And sure. so I uh, had them. And then, you know, the first step was my, my brother Mike was, was saying uh, – we have so much communication coming into the company from mm-hmm. our customers. They just, they are the most communicative customers, I think, of any sure. company. Um, and it just was an overwhelming task, but we really prioritized our, our communication and wanting to give the personal responses, not just, you know, thank you for your letter. Yeah. Uh, and so my very first step was just um, responding to emails, which is something I could do from home and when I had available time. 
Uh, and so I was doing that, and we're talking like 60 to 100 emails a day, um, everything from, you know, how do I use the soap, uh-huh. what's up with that label, right. you know, and the family, did Dr. Bronner really exist, which he did. And so I was answering these emails, and then eventually I was like, well, a lot of these questions are the same, so I moved on to the blog so I could answer the same questions sort of en masse. Uh-huh. Um, and also the DIY trend was was really, uh, you know, gaining traction, people wanting to mix up their own things. And, you know, there, once again, there's chemistry involved here. You can't just throw it all together because you like it. Uh, and so I, I would do some analysis of, of ingredients and of recipes to help people out there, especially with, when it related to our soap. Um, and so just one step led to another, and I kind of just spoke naturally from where I was in my life, nice. which was, uh, you know, a mom and a woman and uh, had young children in the home and, uh, you know, found that there was a great desire for education, which was my background anyway. And so I really still think of myself primarily as an educator, just with a totally different classroom. That's so great. And I mean, I think what's interesting about what you're doing is you're, you know, you're being very personal. And I think you might be one of the people who started this trend of like influencers, uh, you know, starting blogs and starting, you know, websites and being able to sort of, you know, share their daily lives with people and interact in a very, you know, as you explained, personal way and be very communicative. Why, why focus on, on moms like yourself at that time or parents like yourself? Well, I had to go with what I knew and where I was. And, you know, I didn't work in a professional realm per se. Um, my days are very messy, especially back when I started the blog. I had three kids, uh, five and under. Um, that I, and you know, days were kind of crazy, kind of chaotic, kind of messy. And I had to speak straight from that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I, the rare occasions where I would need to go even into the Dr. Bronner's office, which is not a fussy office in the slightest, but, um, or, or go kind of out into the real world, I would feel like, oh my goodness, I hope they don't know what sort of situation I just left at home. It was, <laughs> you know, pretty nuts. And, and so I just had to speak from where I was, that's uh, great. which was, you know, as a mom, you know, they say, go with what you know, and that's what I knew. That's fantastic. And I mean, I think, um, you know, what I noticed looking at, at your site is that there's so many, uh, comments and, and you really interact with people on a daily basis. And I think that's something, you know, because it, it's not mm-hmm. just one or two comments. It's, it's quite a bit. You, I, yeah. I bet you get to know your readers pretty well then. They totally are. There are some that just they come in on every one or quite regularly or I know where their, where their priorities are and uh, what kind of things, you know, do they really want to know the chemistry, which is, I love talking about that. Nice. I realize it can make people's eyes glaze over sometimes. Um, I, you know, or do they want to talk about, you know, family history or the activism? Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so I do get to know them. Yeah, I don't have faces to go with their names, but I feel like I know them anyways. A- any particular comments or, f- you know, a story you can share from one of your readers? Well, honestly, I actually enjoy the ones that come in rather skeptical, maybe even a little bit hostile nice. uh, on, some, on yeah. some topic. I sort of, uh, I like it because um, I know if, with the questioning in us, we we have a good 
explanation. And um, unfortunately, there's so much uh, misinformation and, and even deceit mm-hmm. out there uh, that, you know, people have reason to be skeptical. But I'm, I'm just excited that I get to show, you know, open it all up, be very transparent um, in representing Dr. Bronner because we want to show how we're doing these things well. So, I mean, hot topic right now is, uh, as it should be, is palm oil. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, um, you know, uh, revealing information coming out about how destructive palm oil production has been in certain parts of the world, how it's, uh, you know, coming out of uh, deforestation and habitat loss and um, you know, horribly produced. There's nothing wrong with the oil itself. It's, it's a very versatile oil. But the way it's been reduced, produced has been, it's been dreadful. Uh, and so people are right to be concerned and to be looking into this ingredient and, uh, you know, what are they supporting by buying a product that has palm oil in it? I'm glad. I'm so glad people are looking at this because I really feel like consumers make the biggest difference. Absolutely. In, um, yeah, in movement. I mean, we can have policies and laws and all of that, but honestly, if consumers aren't on board, uh, those are going to fail. But even without those, the consumers themselves can drive change. And so I'm so glad that someone comes uh, through the blog uh, or any, any format um, with the you know, question of how can you be using palm oil in your product? And I'm thrilled to be able to show them, look, this is a good ingredient. It just needs to be produced responsibly, mm-hmm. and this is how we're doing it. And I talk about our uh, Surrender Palm uh, Sister Fair Trade Project in Ghana. Where most palm oil comes out of right. uh, Indonesia, the Philippines. Um, so in Ghana, where we um, uh, resuscitated a, a very old uh, area, um, we don't own um, we don't own a plantation. We don't own farms. We work with family farmers that have been working their land for for generations, and uh, we come in. Uh, we've uh, invited them to uh, work with us to undergo education nice. training. We walk with them through their organic and fair trade certification, mm-hmm. um, and show them ways that they can um, produce their uh, increase the production of their farms. Uh, tremendously through um, dynamic agroforestry, which is uh, incorporating other plants. You don't, nature never grows in isolation. You never see nature right. with like a whole, you know, uh, you know, palms and rows and that's it. And so we need to, we need to, to be working with how nature's already perfected the technique that you have undercropping and, um, and that sort of thing. And so we, uh, in Ghana, we've gone in and, and uh, we're working with, with many farmers and training them, educating them, supporting them. And then, of course, also providing a market for their produce. Uh, we have a mill there, so they sell their, their fruits mm-hmm. to us and then, um, or to our sister project, Miranda Palm, there. And then we have a mill uh, that is um, staffed almost entirely by women who process the, uh, the, the palm into oil and uh, and. So I'm so glad to be able to tell people about this. We've done a couple of documentaries that people mm-hmm. can see. You know, we don't need to just forego this ingredient altogether. Instead, we need to be supporting um, better, uh, you know, fantastic ways of producing it. So I, I love it when I have a, a somebody who comes in with that um, that skepticism, and then I can tell them what we're doing, and then they realize, wow, this is possible. So let's hold other companies to a higher standard on this. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good reminder that these issues, you know, 
are not black and white. You know, an ingredient isn't always bad. And I think palm oil is a really good example. I mean, if it's grown well, it can, you know, really contribute to agroforestry systems. As you described, it can be nutritious. It can be used in all of these mm -hmm. different kinds of ways. It's It doesn't have to be bad. And I think um, the nuance and, and getting people to understand that things are, you know, more gray than they really are black and white is is important. And I mean, I, I yeah. know that that's, you know, that idea of stewardship and, uh, you know, of, of, of your family, of yourself, of, of the planet is really important to you. Can you talk about what it means really to be a good steward? Fantastic. I love that. It's one of my favorite, mm. <laughs> favorite topics because this is where I'm coming from. You know, we're all born into a situation of some sort or another, and we, we have choices along the way of what we do with that. And um, it took me a while, you know, as every, I think, person goes through to realize uh, who they are and where they are. Sure. Um, I'm still looking. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. And that, that is an ongoing thing because we, we as individuals change over time. Um, but you have to start with where you are and with what tools you have and what abilities you have. And go from there. Otherwise, you're looking at other people's situations and saying, well, if mm -hmm. I have their situation, then I could be useful. But I'm stuck here. Um, we all have our spheres of influence. And I feel that, that those spheres of influence are something to steward. And usually the word stewardship um, kind of gets tied into money, which, of course, is, is true. But that's not it. We also steward our, our influence. How are we using our influence? We steward our um, our health, um, taking care of it or not. Uh, we steward our abilities. We're given these abilities. Uh, they're unique. I mean, I don't have the abilities someone else has. I uh, I have communicate pretty well. That's like my ability. And so um, I've got to use that um, well and responsibly to do what I can. You know, people who who uh, systems analyzers or you know, inventors, sure. things like that. Use, use those abilities. Uh, those, that's all, it's all part of stewardship about doing what you can, where you are, with what you have. And that really ties into, you know, what you were describing before about sort of the do-it-yourself tips and, and practices that you're helping people understand, like how to use Dr. Bronner's products in, in different ways. Can you sort of describe, you know, some some tips that are, are, are really useful to, to people, you know, whether they live by themselves or have a family? Absolutely. Well, and coming down to it, you know, I, I work, uh, speak to people, I think, on a pretty individual level and you know it's easy to think I'm just one person you know I'm just in my right. house doing my thing cleaning my cabinet you know what can I do what difference does it make um but it makes a huge difference because we all add up and if you look you know through through our history the the changes people make in their homes uh add up to massive social cultural shifts um you know regardless of what we're talking about so let's talk about the chemicals we use in our homes and such. Um, many of us share our homes with other people and other animals and, and with the environment around us all of us do that. And so uh, we're never working or uh, making uh, effects on just ourselves. Right. We're always affecting um, somebody else or someone else or uh, the world around us. And so um, so when you, when you go to do something so mundane, you know, cleaning, cleaning your house, uh, washing your car, whatever it is, um, these add up. And so to simplify these down, to reduce your chemical exposure, um, you know, every uh, there there's 
analysis done on individual ingredients and such, but there's not enough analysis done on combination of ingredients when we, there's no safety mm-hmm. testing of personal care products and, and all of this, uh, as, and then multiple exposures. There's just not enough research out there to inform us. So the best thing that an individual consumer can do is to live simply, to reduce the chemical that's coming into their lives through their food, through their personal care, through their cleaning products. There is no reason why we need to uh, sterilize our homes. I mean, for, you know, chemical, I mean, medical issues aside, yes, that's, that's a difference. For the most part, though, we are all over-sterilizing our, our environment, and it's a losing battle. I mean, right. goodness, we've went through, uh, you know, nature finds a way. It, it, we cannot um, control our environment maybe as much as, as uh, our, our anxiety wants us to, and so <laughs> sure. we've got to work within it. <laughs> sure. uh, you know, so just live simply, um, make day-to-day decisions that add up to, you know, a lifetime of, of, of wellness and wholeness and, um, and simple living. No, I mean, I love it. It all comes back to chemistry, which is how you started this conversation. It, it is. It's, you know, it's it's not, it, it's understanding the interactions that go on when you use, you know, different products. And it's, you know, realizing that you don't need all of that stuff. And I think, I mean, I, I'm very biased. I'm going to be honest. Dr. Bronner's products are all over my house. That's really all we use. And, um, you know, so I, I'm totally biased, but I, I'm a big uh, cheerleader for your company. I, I think, you know, <laughs> I think it, you know, it, the, the, there's something about your products that make people feel really sort of comfortable. And I don't know if it's the label. I'd love for you to talk about the label and, and how that, you know, I know your, your grandfather did that. But why do you think, you know, f- for someone like me who's obviously interested in, in, you know, where products come from and how they're made, et cetera. But why do people connect with that sort of branding that you have? It's funny because it's like, it wasn't intentional as a marketing or as a brand. I mean, it was totally not there. Um, you know, my grandfather's main passion was the label itself. And if you, if you <laughs> haven't taken the time to read it, I will try to sum it up by saying <laughs> that this was his, um, this was his passion for creating world peace, and it's really nothing less than that. He was, uh, it came out of uh, World War II, out of the Holocaust. Right. He, he left Germany in 29, um, so he personally wasn't there during the rise of Nazism, but his family, Orthodox Jewish family, was. Uh, all the family property, the soap factories, confiscated. His parents perished in concentration camps. He saw this, his adopted country, the United States, you know, enter the nuclear age at the forefront of it. Um, and he really felt like if we were to go through that World War II again, now with nuclear power from the get-go, we would not survive. Mm. The Earth would not survive. Mm-hmm. And, and he was probably right. Um, it still is right. And so he um, had, instead of, like, turning to bitterness or hatred or despair, he, he turned to... Um, this effort to show people that we are all common in our humanity and in our lives on this earth. We're brothers and sisters on Spaceship Earth is what he would say. And his tagline was all one. Uh, and so he, he put this together and you'll see in his writings, he draws from everything. I mean, his own Judeo upbringing, uh, background, uh, there's, uh, you know, Confucius, there's Islam, there's, uh, really every world, philosophy, religion, science, 
Um, he's just showing, you know, look, all these different, disparate people um, have a lot in common. And so let's let's look at how we are more similar than we are different. And so so that was the label, and that's what his passion was. But he found that not many people wanted to hear or read about <laughs> philosophy. On their soap? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't on the soap. It was on, initially, he was just like going out and running uh, lecture halls and speaking to audiences uh-huh. and to thank people for coming, then he would give them uh, the soap that he'd been making at his in his kitchen and uh, as family it. recipe. And but it was just a plain bottle. But he noticed that people were coming and taking this fantastic soap and not staying to hear him speak. <laughs> and so that's when he put the label, the the philosophy on the label, so that when they took the soap, they take the the philosophy with them. So. Um, I think that back to your question of, of why do people connect with us, I think it's because our story is, you know, quirky, but uh, authentic. I mean, we didn't make this up. We weren't like, oh, wow, this would be a great basis for a company here. Um, it's just, and everybody's family is quirky. Everybody's family has drama. And this, Absolutely. You know, everybody's family could make a great movie. And so we've also been doing this, you know, we're fifth generation soap makers starting from Germany, third generation with Dr. Bronner as a company itself. Um, so we've been around, we're not, we're not a trend, we're not, you know, the organic movement really took off late 90s, 2000, uh, we were, we were doing this long before, so, you know, I think it gives us some authenticity, we're also, as I said before, really open with what we do, a lot of communication coming through our website and our, um, our social media and stuff, we're always active on many different fronts, not just making products, but activism and all sorts of environmental, social justice uh, realms. Um, some has to do with our soap and some has nothing to do with our soap, mm-hmm. but we just feel it's the right thing to be using, as I said, our, our voice and our influence to support. So, yeah, I think it's because maybe we're not, like, polished and fancy. We're a family, <laughs> my brothers, my mom, my husband, you know, uh, people I think can relate to that. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, the quirkiness, I'm sure, is part of it, but the story of Dr. Bronner's as a company and your family is so America to me. It is, it is quintessentially the, you know, the American dream. And, you know, what, what is happening in this country now with, you know, immigration is so, you know, what, what if we didn't have you and Dr. Bronner's and your brothers? I mean, it's just such a, a, a powerful testament to the power of how this country was made. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, n- not to, uh, not to diverge too much from our topic, but I, yeah, I think no, it's so, right. it's so powerful right now as, as we're making decisions, you know, in the next year about who's going to lead this country. You know, I, I think yeah. we need to remember, uh, you know, the roots from where Dr. Ronner's came. I mean, you, you wouldn't, yeah. this company wouldn't exist and so many other great companies and individuals. Yeah, it is, and it is the opportunities that somehow exist here. I mean, my grandfather came with pretty much nothing. At one point, he was in Chicago and sleeping on the roof of a YMCA. Oh, my like, gosh. Using, like, plastic shape. I don't know, a pillow full of things he found on the street. Just And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, definitely was a lot of hardship in there and wasn't easy, but you're, you're right. I mean, he's, and he really felt a lot of... Um, a lot of connection with immigrants from all over. I mean, when he finally made it to Southern California, which is where where he he settled, um, uh, he was he needed help, and he really bonded with people who were immigrants, mostly here in, in San Diego from uh, from Mexico, and um, that's who he built Dr. Bronner's the company with. 
uh, by that point, his eyesight was failing. He eventually was blind. He was blind all of my life. And, uh, and he, he had, uh, there was a fellow that worked for us for years, uh, an amazing man named Salvador Hernandez, and he was an immigrant as well as 18. Good heart, hard worker. And my grandfather was like, look, you've got the strength and the, and the ability. I've got this, this vision and this idea. We need to get together and help each other out. That's awesome. What do you yeah. think? What do you think your grandfather would think of the company now, and and what you and your brothers and your mom have been able to do, and in, in the direction it's gone? There's a lot of things he would love about it, but my grandfather would definitely have suggestions for things we could be doing well. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think he would like that we are, uh, you know, we have a lot of the same uh, same visions. I mean, the goals of the company to be both soap and soul, the fighting soap company idea. Uh, that's still there. You know, he had his, his passions about, about, as I said, world peace, about fluoridation, fluoridating the water supply, very, mm-hmm. uh, ardently against that. Uh, you know, and, and going back to nature, uh, getting closer to nature rather than synthetic. Uh, and so, you know, we're pretty much doing the same thing. I think he would see that and probably be amazed at the opportunities that we have had to connect in a more global way, um, than, than, was possible during his lifetime. Yeah, I don't think he could have imagined that you and you know would be traveling to Ghana for and and working with women farmers or traveling to other parts of the world and you know setting up cooperatives and and doing all of these amazing yeah. things that the company has been able to do along with you know making good soap. Yeah, yeah, I think it would it would blow his mind. He probably would would be in a bit of a bit of shock, but also I think very glad. My brother David. Uh, CEO, which is our cosmic engagement officer, he very much channels my grandfather's um, energy and passion and, and perseverance. He's a character. So I, I've I've yeah, spent some time with him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's but great. My grandfather was too. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, before we we end, I want to get back to you. You you really mentioned transparency in the company, and I I want you to sort of talk a little bit more about what that means and and why it's important, and how maybe other companies can learn from what you all have been able to do with the transparency part. Absolutely, and this is core. We have to be transparent. Um, I mean, we do it through our communications, we do it through our certifications, where, goodness, we're certified so many things, we can't get them all on the label, we've got the USA Organic, the Fair Trade, the Leafy Bunny, the Vegan, the B Corp, um, it, it, so a lot of that, and a lot of that is because we want to show that we have had outside auditors coming in, we're not just slapping this label on our own bottle, you know, there's no, um, there's no verification in that, so we, we have outside people coming in. And, I mean, the thing is, everything comes to light eventually. So if you try not to be transparent, if there's something something that you're going to, you know, sort of uh, sweep under the rug, eventually it's going to come out. How how long-term are you thinking? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're we're a family soap company. We're, you know, as I said, five generations globally, three generations as Dr. Bronner. We want to keep going, and we don't want to leave – the people ahead of us with some problem we've created that they were like, oh my goodness, how are we going to explain this? Um, honesty, it's, you got to be honest. And if there's some reason that you think we can't be honest about this, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's such great yeah. advice. <laughs> Tell every it's company that. I, I'll start doing that too. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what is, there are so many maxims like, you know, if you wouldn't want your grandmother to know. You wouldn't want it said at your funeral. Whatever it is. Like, 
uh, that's always a good a good um, little catch to to think, huh? Maybe not. So uh, going into every there's always a way that you can do things forthrightly and honestly. And some of the things that we've chosen to do were controversial, and we chose to do them along with the educational right. component. Right. right. When we put hemp oil in the soaps um, in 2001, you know, that was controversial. Isn't that a drug? Isn't that illegal? Am I going to test positive? <laughs> and we were willing to uh, to take on that conversation and, in, and inform people and educate and be patient. And, I mean, look where we are today. We're, it's, it's illegal to grow industrial hemp in, in the United States as of last year. Amazing. And, uh, you know, people are understanding that no hemp yeah. is not psychoactive and it's a super useful crop. Uh, and that's just, it's so great. I mean, that's kind of a relatively, it feels like a short time, like less than 20 years that that's... it took us to go from, like, total not, you know, ignorance to, to a lot of awareness. Uh, so much acceptance. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's that it's a good thing. It's not like we have this, this squelch our standards. No, no, no. It's that we realize that that, that we didn't know enough. Um, so you know, so either if there's something that you're like, oh goodness, this is going to take a lot of explaining, or we can't share this with people, either don't do it uh, if you think that you know you shouldn't be done, or if you think well it should be done, people just don't get it, then then undertake the education mm-hmm. and, and explain it to people. That's great. Great advice. Um, before I ask the final uh, set of questions, where can listeners find uh, Going Green with a Bronner Mom blog? Yeah, so the URL is lisabronner.com, or if you just search up Going Green with a Bronner Mom, that'll get you there. You can find cheat sheets on how to use uh, the Castile soap. Sal says uh, chemistry stuff. I have a post <laughs> about what reactions will happen with the Castile soap, like vinegar, don't mix it, you know, or, you know, essential oil is fantastic. Yeah, so go through that. Um, we would talk about if you want to mix soap with vodka, because these are questions I've gotten. I love it. Um, you know, people say, I've got this recipe from my grandmother. What do you think? And so, uh, so, so a lot of chemistry on there as well. That's fantastic. Okay, so... I always end the, the podcast with three sort of rapid-fire questions, and I just okay. ask you to say the first thing that pops into your mind. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. Who inspires you the most? My faith. Awesome. My faith and looking at the Bible every day. Great. Your favorite book? Oh, goodness. Jane Eyre, Charlotte Bronte. Oh, nice. That's great. Um, and then the final question, what do you do when you're not thinking about doc- Dr. Bronner's soap ah. and your blog? <laughs> oh, my therapy is cooking. I go into the kitchen and I whip stuff up. Awesome. We brought it back to food. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. But that to be true. Lisa, you've been a pleasure. I, I can't wait to meet you in person. I hope some sometime soon. Thank you for, for being on Food Talk. Thanks so much for having me, Danny. I've enjoyed it immensely. Thanks for listening today. A shout out to our producer, Stephen Ray Morris, who makes this podcast possible. And please subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen. It would really mean the world to me. You can check out Food Tank at foodtank.com. Email me at danielle at foodtank.com. And follow me on Twitter at Danny Nirenberg and on Insta at Food Tank. Thanks again. See you next time for Food Talk. Thank you again for listening. Join us to see the podcast recorded live at the upcoming Food Talk event in a city near you by visiting foodtank.com slash events. Tickets are always free for Food Tank members, so join now and we'll see you there.